0: message, you're going to hear that, I'm getting a little bit of feedback up here too, um, but anyway, you're going to hear that later from Pastor Gary, but I do want to turn, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you have that, to the book of Romans chapter 12, we're starting a new series today, this one will be short, it'll be four weeks long until we go to our new service format, uh, but, but this will be the final Deeper Waters uh, series and it will be four, four weeks long with this one. Uh, is about how to respond when you feel mistreated. Now, I'm sure nobody here has been ever mistreated before. I'm probably the only one here, so I'm probably just preaching to myself, I'm sure. But how to respond when you feel mistreated. From Romans chapter 12 and verse 16 says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own eyes, in your own conceits, recompense to no man evil for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men if it be possible as much as lies in you live peaceably with all men dearly beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath for it is written, vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord now I said nobody's been mistreated obviously that's nonsense how many here has been mistreated before just lift your hand And there's been a few people who are not mistreated. God bless you. I want to see our service. I don't know what you're doing that I'm not. Um, But we've all been mistreated before by people whom we barely know, uh, by neighbors, by that person perhaps on on the way to church this morning who cut you off, bless your little heart, and you were mistreated. Again, if that's the worst mistreatment that you've had, again, I want to see you after church because I want to know what you're doing that I'm doing wrong. We've been mistreated by close friends, by family, by church people. Unfortunately, that hurts the most, so it seems. By leadership, because people are human, even leadership. Leadership might be a boss. It might be church leadership. It might be a Sunday school teacher. It might be somebody else. You've been mistreated, perhaps, by a child. Again, I'm sure nobody's kids talk back to them. That They're just oh yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, all the time. And nobody's kids ever talk back to them. But you've never been mistreated. You have been mistreated if you've got children on some level by a spouse, perhaps. Uh, many people have been mistreated by by their wife or their husband. Pastors can be abused by saints. It's an aspect of this that you don't often think of. Pastors are mistreated by saints. Not every saint, but every pastor. I can say this because I'm not a pastor. You didn't vote me in, so. But I have pastored before. And I can absolutely tell you, not every saint mistreats you, but some do. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's just the reality of the situation of pastoring. And, uh, and it is what it is. Saints can be abused by pastors as well. Turn the other way around. That's usually how we think of when we talk about spiritual abuse. But it goes both ways as well. Most of us have stories we could tell. Some of you tonight or this morning hearing me have stories of deep, emotional pain and some of you still bear the scars from that and many of you perhaps some of you have not healed even though it may have been decades later here's an encouraging word for you if you're walking with the Lord there's always a reason for the pain because when you're walking with God no pain is ever wasted with God he uses it to to do something inside of us now, God doesn't always cause the pain, but he'll use it to mold us and make us into be more like him. So, you know, we often get confused because we think, well, God's going to use this pain, so he must have caused it. Or you when know, we say, God allowed it. And yeah, that may be true, but we get confused because we think God is using the, that because God is using the situation, therefore he must be the author of that pain. But that's not always the case. Sin is usually what causes most of the bad stuff that happened to us. Now, sometimes it's our sin, and sometimes it's not our sin. Sometimes it's the sin of others. For example, if, if somebody, you know, gossips about you, and that hurts you deeply, and they say some mean, cutting words to you, that, that hurts, obviously. And it, it, depending on how, who the person is and what was said, it could take a while to, over, to, to, to get through, work your way through that. Um, But God didn't cause that. It was somebody else's sin that caused it. But but whenever you're walking with the Lord and you take it right, then God can use that situation and turn it in for something good. Let me say this while we're on the subject. I would much rather be on the receiving end of the pain, no matter how deep that pain is, than one of those spiritually poor, depraved, thoughtless souls who continually seem to cause it on others. Because that person doesn't change and doesn't get any better. And that person uh, doesn't become more like Jesus. But the person who was wounded may bear scars. But once they've worked through that, they are closer to the Lord than they've ever been before. And they have more peace and joy in their lives than they ever would have had before. Because people often make excuses for themselves when they create hurt. They might say, well, I'm just the type A personality type. I'm just cleric. I just, I say what I mean. I call it as I see it. And that may be true. But the reality of the situation is, no, you just don't have control of your tongue. Maybe you may be type A. You may be cleric. But along with that, you need a little bit more temperance and control of the Spirit of God. But one thing is certain. When we are mistreated, Jesus instructed us to let God handle it and not us. And that's hard to do. There are two types of suffering. There's suffering for the wrong that we've done. That's if I go out and I take somebody by the throat and I murder them. I will go to prison for that. Okay, that is not suffering for Christ's sake. That is suffering because I was a murderer. Because I was an idiot, and I did something I shouldn't do. If you steal a car and you get caught doing it, then you're going to go to jail or prison or whatever, whatever the law says that you should do. So if you break the law, then you're going to suffer the penalty of the law. So there's a wrong that we've suffered. If I go out and I commit adultery, then I'm gonna, I can repent. God will help me, restore me, but I would suffer the consequences of that. Whatever that may be. Okay, so there's, there's suffering for the wrong we've done. And secondly, there's another type of suffering, and this is what I'm really talking about. And it is suffering for Christ's sake, when, and when we are usually innocent or mostly innocent in the matter. Now, sometimes there are varying degrees of innocence. Like, you ever been in a car accident, and they determined it was 85% your fault? Not that I'm speaking from experience, by any means, because that, that never happens with me. And it was 15%. The fault of the other person. So sometimes, you know, there are varying degrees of innocence. And God is the ultimate judge on that. But what's the first thing we want to do when we hurt or get attacked? We want to attack right back. If they give me one, I'm going to give them one right back. It don't be like that kindergartner years ago that, that, that misunderstood the golden rule and thought it was do unto others before they do unto you. Give them a good one. If they hit you, I'm going to hit back. It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But as the old saying goes, that way both of us end up eyeless and toothless. And nobody wins. But read the text again. He said, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as you can, live peaceably with all men. And then watch what he says. Dearly beloved, avenge not to yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is your vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Try not to even get angry about it, he said. Paul said to give place unto wrath. What does that mean? It doesn't mean to allow your wrath to have its natural course. That's what we want to do. And believe it or not, some people misunderstood that. But it rather means give wrath its proper place. Okay? It means that to allow wrath to have its proper place, and that is with God. The proper place for wrath is with the Lord. Because what happens when we get angry? We lose our peace. We lose our joy. We lose our love. We lose all the fruits of the Spirit in a single moment of time. And what happens when we allow wrath to remain in us is it grows into bitterness. And it starts to to bear all the works of the flesh. And little by little, it begins to seep out all the fruit of the Spirit in their life. That's why he said, again, look at what it says. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. When we take wrath out on our enemies, we take revenge and not God, because we just did. We take the revenge that God would have done, and we put it in our own hands, and don't allow God to do it. And because we have done it, we are no longer innocent in the matter. Okay. Also, it puts us into a position where even if we're innocent in the matter, when we take revenge, we're not innocent anymore, and we miss the blessing that would have come from God had we taken it with kindness and with grace. God always blesses us when we receive mis- mistreatment with grace. Also, the quickest way to healing is to not strike back because revenge is the breeding ground for emotional pain. And emotional pain is the breeding ground for many other types of sin. Most people that have struggled with addictions for years and decades have some type of deep emotional pain that's deeply seated in their spirit that they've not fully allowed God in. Now, for sure, there are other layers of that. There's a a physical layer if you're alcoholic or if you've got drugs, if you're addicted to drugs. There's a physical layer to it where physically your body yearns for it. It's the same with many other types of sin. So there are many layers that that sin creates, but that's the ultimate seed of it. That's what something that happened to us years ago when we were a child and we never fully forgave, and deep down we're really angry for it, and the peace and love of God has not really been allowed to reign fully in our hearts. And it creates it creates the cycle of addiction. Revenge is like the itch that once scratched, gives you a temporary and momentary relief, but only spreads it to other parts of the body. You ever had poison ivy? My wife had poison ivy so bad. I, can probably, I grew up in Grafton, Illinois. I' spent my childhood there. Our woods was the backyard. I remember camping when I was a kid. And we would go camping. We didn't have tents. We would just get a sleeping bag or sometimes a cover and build a fire, and I'll sleep around the fire. That was how we camped. And it was miles and miles and miles of woods. My brother, my, my brother Tom, who's probably listening to this right now, has had poison ivy so many times, he's not even allergic to it anymore. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. He is literally, he cannot get poison ivy. He's not allergic to it anymore. Now, my wife, on the other hand, when she, this has been a few years back. She got poison I think she actually inhaled it. She got it so bad it was from head to toe. There was no part of her body where it was not itching with poison ivy. That's what revenge is like. Whenever you get it, it spreads because it gets under your fingernails and on your fingers. And it spreads to other parts of your body. That's what revenge is like. Whenever you take revenge, it it, it gives like a momentary satisfaction, kind of like itching that itch. And how long does it not itch? For about four seconds. And then it starts to itch again. That's what revenge is like. When we take revenge, we fight back at people, and we give them one because they gave us one. You know, what happens is we don't allow the peace of God to flow in us and through us. And furthermore, it deepens the pain. And it does not heal it, because when you realize that God is your healer, you align yourself with His healing power. When your spirit is right and you stay meek. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Look at all that Paul went through for the sake of the gospel. Of the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, except one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Three times I suffered rack. A day and a night I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters, robbers, perils by my own countrymen, heathen, city, wilderness, sea, among false brethren. Think Paul has ever gossiped about? Read the book of Corinthians and you know the answer to that question. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without that comes upon me to the care of all the churches. Most people would have needed decades of professional counseling had they gone through half of what Paul went through. But the reason why God could trust him with that was because God knew that he knew how to handle mistreatment. Deep emotion or turmoil, physical pain inflicted for the cause of the gospel is some of the, one of the things that he went through literally 39 times, you know, on three different occasions, physically poor, Most of the time. In prison, gossiped about by church people, Paul had experienced everything. How did he stay sane and how did he stay right with God? Here was the key. It was this word called forgiveness. Forgiveness keeps your spirit right and keeps you aligned with God's blessings and it closes the door to the enemy. Likewise, when you choose not to forgive, you're leaving the door wide open for the enemy to come into your life. And not only does the enemy come in, but the devil likes a party. He brings his friends. Seven other friends, more wicked than himself in one place, Jesus said. After the, after the vessel has been cleansed and, and and you let things in again, the devil says, Oh, hey, I'm gonna bring my buddies. I'm gonna bring seven of them. They're more wicked than me. And, and in other words, you're you're worse off than you were when before you were even saved. You know, the end result. It, is worse for them than the beginning. That's what unforgiveness does. The devil loves to sneak in during times when, you are, when you've been physically or emotionally or spiritually hurt because that's when you're the you know, most vulnerable spiritually. This is when you need the most protection from the enemy. When you have been deeply wounded by somebody, whether it's, you know, if it's by your boss, that's one thing. You know, your boss is going to be your boss. You probably saw it coming from your boss. Thankfully, I've got a really good boss. Um, but I've 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 had some knuckleheads in my life, for bosses, and you probably have too. And and the pain that they inflicted doesn't even compare with the pain that people inflict can inflict upon us when we, we are close emotionally to them. Another thing that people do is whenever they're inflicted or whenever they're you know, whenever they're caused deep emotional pain is they often you know grow build walls around them. And they think that's protecting them. It's a form of self-defense. But really what you're doing is you're keeping God out. And you're letting your abuser control how you feel about other people and control your emotions at that moment. And so when you build a wall, yeah, it it does protect you. You don't get close to anybody. You won't get hurt. Expect everybody to disappoint you. And and some of them will and some of them won't. And so just build a wall and don't let anybody in but a few people that you really, really trust. And and you can live your life like that, but, but but it's like living it spiritually lame. And you're not walking in everything that God has for you to walk in. Amen. How many people have been... Have backslid when they got hurt. Most people who backslid did so because of church hurt. The church is called to be a place of healing and not a place of hurting. We cannot and should not use the word love like the salad bowl being passed around at dinner time, like some kind of cultural fad, but we must live those words. When we say, I love people, we, could not, we cannot and should not gossip about them and talk about them because we are only fooling ourselves. You don't love the person that you're gossiping and talking about because your actions, what's coming from your heart, goes a lot deeper than what's coming out of your mouth. And people know that and they understand that. When we hurl words and insults and accusations at others, we become more like Satan than Jesus because he's the accuser of the brethren. Even if we're the ones being mistreated, even if they did it to us first, how we respond puts us into a position where we could be like Jesus when Pilate asked him, you know, look at all these accusations the Jews are throwing at you. And you know what Jesus said? Not a word. Don't you know that I'm the one that can cause you to be crucified or I can save your life? And the only thing Jesus spoke up was just a few words. No, Father, my Father in heaven has that power, not you. The only time he spoke up was when he was was committing his his destiny into the hands of God. As a a man, as the sacrificial lamb, he was committing his, his life into the hands of the eternal spirit. Here's a profound truth that you must believe. God will eventually avenge his people. But we take revenge because we often think that God is not. Now, here's the other twist to that. You may not always see it. Because when you see it, you might be tempted to say, aha, he got what he deserved. Get him, God. So God may not just let you see it. God may hide it from you altogether. But maybe if you keep your spirit right and your mouth shut, he might let you see that God really does avenge his people eventually. Now, the other thing is, sometimes it doesn't always happen in this life, as it was in the case of the Apostle Paul. He never saw revenge taken out on his enemies. He died, you know, most historians believe, 68 AD and 70 AD. Most of the Jews that would have, were inflicting pain upon him would have died. In that, whatever, Titus, governor of Rome, ransacked and pillaged Jerusalem. But Paul never saw that. He was in the presence of God. He, he had already gone on to be with the Lord. He didn't care at that point anyway. Hebrews 10.30 says, For we know him that said, Vengeance is belongeth unto me. I will recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. We must believe that, or we do not believe God's word. We must believe that God eventually avenges his people from all wrongs done to them. Some on this side, and some on the other. Look at 1 Timothy 5 and 22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be a partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Now, Paul, told, Paul did not tell Timothy when he said, whenever he said, don't be partaker of other men's sins. He did not say not to sin with others in the sense of you both doing it together. But he said not to be a partaker of their sins. Now, there is a difference. One aspect of this is when they mistreat you and you take revenge and mistreat them, now you've just been a partaker of their sins because you're just like them. So you have fallen into a trap that the enemy lays for us, is that when people mistreat us, it puts us into a position to, to lose ground spiritually. Okay? To lose ground spiritually because we have, in that moment, allowed things into our life to come out our mouth. Now, the other thing is this, is that even if it's in your heart, don't let it come out your mouth. If it's in your heart, you haven't really done any wrong yet because you can always repent over that, but as soon as I start blabbing things about, oh, you know, and and start taking matters into my own hands and start gossiping all over the place, then I've done a lot of damage. And God will deal with that with us just like he deals with them. Because God only avenges the innocent, not the guilty. And when you take revenge, you forfeit your right for 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 God to avenge you fully. Revenge is a dangerous emotion that you simply cannot handle. That's why he said, it's mine. It's like a hot potato. How long can you hold a hot potato right out of the oven? Just, a few, just a few months ago, my wife said, get, get the potatoes out of the oven. We have baked potato night sometimes. So we have sour cream and cheese and bacon bits and all these, you know, the whole trimmings. And just dinner is baked potatoes. And she wraps them up in tin tinfoil, sometimes she'll salt them, and it tastes really, really good. I don't know if it's healthy or not, but it tastes good anyway and he said, get the, get the potatoes out of the oven." I reached in like a dummy, ooh, you know, with my bare hand, and you know, it left some red marks on my head for a few days. And that's, that's, that's kind of what the emotion of revenge does. It puts scars on you that no other emotion can do. You're not big enough to handle it, and you're not just enough to handle it. Sometimes we need an arbitrary judge <coughs> to judge between us. This is what Jacob, Israel, told Laban, the Lord judge between me and you. Don't, you know, they put up those stones, and he said, if I cross these stones, I'm not going to come to your hurt. If you cross these stones, you won't come to my hurt. So God will judge between, and you know what? God did. I don't know what happened to Laban, but I know this, Jacob was blessed. And yes, it's true that he had a lot of pain, but Jacob, in the end, allowed himself to be used by God and we know the rest of the story today. When you let go and let God handle it, you free yourself to feel peace, the peace of God. And peace is priceless. There's nothing like the peace of God. You could have every penny in the world, but if I can just have the peace of God, that's all I need. Because peace is the greatest thing in the world. Second Corinthians 2 and verse 10 says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. This is Paul talking. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgive I in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Do you see what Paul is saying here? Unforgiveness lets Satan get an advantage over you and it makes you lose ground spiritually. And Paul also said he forgave them in Christ. That means in the shadow of the cross as we stand. i want to close with this statement Is that in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Forgiveness is the way out of every hurt, every emotional pain, every trap the enemy lays for you. You've got to let God Handle it. Let's lift our hands to the Lord today, and let's thank God for his word. Lord, we bless your name today.